Welcome to another episode of Learn Buddhism. I'm Alan Pito. Today, we're talking about a topic that I think is of importance to a lot of people, and that's how to practice Buddhism virtually. You don't have a temple nearby and monastics. How do you practice Buddhism? I'm joined by my special guest, Venerable Chi Dao. He has over a million followers on TikTok and social media on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and I thought he'd be great to talk to about this topic. So, Venerable, welcome. Thank you, Alan. Thank you for having me. We've both have been on Instagram for quite a few minutes, and it's a joy and pleasure to be here and inspiring all of your listeners. Thank you. I appreciate that. I wonder if you can go ahead and give everyone a little background on yourself, what form of Buddhism you practice, your practice in general, and essentially just you know a little bit more about yourself so you can understand who you are, if they're not already following you on, on social media. Yes. So my name is Venerable Chi Dao. I'm a Theravada Buddhist monk. I've been a monk going on eight years now. I've been practicing and studying Buddhism over the past 21 years. Um, before becoming a monk, I was a legal and medical interpreter serving the judicial system at the Sixth Judicial Court here in Pinellas County. I hit rock bottom in 2015, whereas my grandmother passed away, followed by my best friend, Jacob Hall. That led me towards a very suicidal path. I was going to be either in prison or dead. And I figured since my grandmother inspired me onto the path of peace, that I should make this corrective changes in my life. And uh, comes now, uh, it's been working out. Mm, everything that we're doing in Buddhism is working. And again, my job as a monk is to prove, is to try to prove the Buddha wrong. And I haven't been able to find a teaching or practice that have not yielded results, yielded empirical direct evidence, and that in, I have, in fact, achieved peace by and through the Samadhi and Vipassana meditative practice and through the threefold training. Very blessed to have all the teachers. I chose Theravada because it was straight to the point. It is the original source. However, I also give credit to the Mahayana world because my first training, especially death meditation, was from the Mahayana tradition by Venerable Tong in Nyechang, Vietnam. Uh, you know, it's um, Buddhism is beautiful, and I hope that everyone is inspired to go forth and study, you know, very well, look into it, stay with it, persistent, discipline, and discipline equals destiny. Absolutely. Very well said. How did your, you know, first steps or how did your interest in teaching virtually come about? So the TikTok thing, everything was an experiment was and still is an experiment with the online digital sangha world I, I i guess there's a certain way that i put it out there where it inspired gen zoomers like all of you i'm 35 years old you know i ever since facebook and myspace i kind of not want to get too much involved into it obviously if a monk knows too much about social media he's obviously too involved in that and not practicing underneath the tree <laughs> and um so i blew up the way that i maybe it's the personality the quality of the teachings the shorts i don't know but you know comes now you can see that how necessary it is um post covid the uh, accumulated despair and depression and suicide rates and that's how i got started was you know just picking up the tiktok and seeing if the algorithm was actually true and real whether we're actually reeling in people to inspire them, to help them, you know, awaken to what's going on in their life. 
Um, and it's working out so far uh, through, throughout all of the measurements of the social media, different types of platforms that is out there. Absolutely. And I think you hit on an important topic, like the, the rates of suicide going up, you know, depression and all these other issues, especially uh, that was caused or during the pandemic, right? So in general, we've seen, you know, for many years now, interest in Buddhism has been growing. And I think we saw as we got kind of like into that Zoom era during the pandemic, we saw more teachers coming online, such as yourself. We saw, you know, temples like we have to go ahead, like my temple, they did a lot of things that were virtual. So why do you think this interest in Buddhism is growing? You know, even when they don't have a temple nearby, their first encounter might be yourself, might be, you know, reading a book. Why do you think we're seeing this interest in Buddhism? I think that people have been always struggling to make sense and meaning in their life and the suffering, the magnitude and depth of one's suffering and trying to find a good working philosophy to identify with what to expect. So, you know, I was born and raised Catholic, um, and then I converted into Buddhism. And we, we look at some of these religions out there, it describes the what, but not the how. Okay. Venerable Jayasaro have asserted that Buddhism is the most effective and most comprehensive educational system the world has ever seen. And as you look through all of that, again, it is the listener's job to investigate and to prove me wrong and to prove all of the previous teachers before me wrong. If, in fact, Buddhism is the most effective and comprehensive educational system the world has ever seen. People are depressed and anxious because they do not see things as they are. Right. They're not mindful mm -hmm. of their mind, not mindful of their feelings, you know, the aggregates and the foundations of mindfulness. So therefore, it leads to all sorts of uh, psychological disorders and behaviors. And so therefore, the masses of suffering, the, 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 when you see the Buddha, you're at peace. I'm just looking at the, mm -hmm. the, the image of the Buddha alone, you're at peace. That reels people in. They're like, wow, what is it about him where he just closes his eyes and it looks like he's really blissed out right now. I'm curious. So they're also looking for teachers, you know, good, qualifying, authentic, good teachers to see if, you know, who, who they can identify with, who is loving, caring, kind, compassionate, understanding, who is straightforward, who is strict. And they gravitate towards their, the choice of that particular teacher. And again, um, during my training and during my research, I, you know, I conduct Buddhist psychotherapy often. Um and I was conducting research during COVID times and post-COVID times. So therefore, I was very involved in the digital world. So I was just like, okay, well, okay, well, great. You know, <laughs> I'm already a monk, so I don't have to um, uh, shelter in because I'm, you know, I'm like mm -hmm. a hermit here already. I just need to just, you know, get these webcams up and going and the whole world can benefit from it. And that's what happened. But that's why people, you know, suffering will never stop. We know that the existence of the first noble truth, old age, death, disease, decay. And people will always trying to have that question mark. Why do people die? Why am I subject to decay? Why is there suffering? Sansaric formations, sansaric cycles. And Buddhism have the answer for that. We tell you the how. We tell you the why and the how. And what you can do about it to improve your karmic debts, to mitigate your own pain and suffering and and can't we use more in that each and every single day to be more liberated, to have more freedom, to not be bonded and chained by life, life's expectations, cultural expectations, 
you know, how you should behave, how you should live your life, the shoulds, mm-hmm. right? What it could have shoulds. Um, and so my job is to teach the middle way. And I think throughout my journey, you all have seen most of my middle way. You know, I don't really care what other people think about how I live my life. It is in accordance as much as possible to the Theravada tradition. And it is to exemplify and inspire the middle life of peace, happiness. But also, you know, I play extreme sports and run and hike and all these things with my young uh, Gen Z students, you know. So, again, the middle way and how to help people find that is key and cardinal in the forthcoming days. Now, I like that explanation. Also, like how you mentioned the Buddha. So, uh, as you know, we're, we're kind of in the samsaric, you know, existence, this world. We're just clouded to the truth, to Buddha taught. You know, we're just, uh, you know, I kind of use an example of like a dirty window. You know, you can't really see out of your seeing shadows. You're assuming what it is and we're, we're reacting upon that, right? And yeah. so I think, you know, for us, you know, just as ordinary sentient beings, you know, we see someone like the Buddha or a statue of the Buddha, right? Or a painting or whatever. And that inspires us. And that's probably what, you know, brings a lot of us there. Like we see this, this is this perfected being and we want to get there as well. Um, so we have, you know, especially Westerners, you know, they want to practice Buddhism. And, you know, maybe you might be blessed to be inside a city that has many different types of Buddhist traditions, or you may be having none around you. So they're definitely looking at books. They're looking at podcasts. They're looking at videos and, and social media. What would your recommendations be on how they can practice Buddhism? And I'm going to use a word here, probably they're not going to use maybe, but authentically, you know, so typically we're going to go to temple or we're going to do things like that, but you can't do that if you don't have one around you. What would be your, I would guess your opinion and suggestions for them? So the existence of YouTube, existence of Google, the power, the world is right in front of you, buying through your own phone. The phone has ever been the most powerful thing a person can possess at any given time. Obviously, with the power of research and Google, you need to Google the teacher and what is he all about? How does he teach? Do I identify with this, the three primary school of Buddhism? You know, do I like the teacher? Is he going to pick up the phone? You just got to ask these questions. And once you you like the teacher, hopefully you grow to t- trust the teacher and trust the process to see how one teacher behaves and if, if it is in accordance to the vinya. Um, you know, does 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 he own three robes? Does he you know do this do that according to that particular tradition? And um, yeah, it is tough when you live in a city where you don't have access to a monastery, which could be quite warm and welcoming, but in the days of the Buddha, you got you got to remember if we go back primitively, you know, a lot of monasteries didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And wherever the Buddha went, you kind of travel with him on foot. And he said, "Sit, meditate," <laughs> and you just sit and you meditate. And you trusted right. the teacher and trusted the process. So that's always been my thing: is to trust the teacher and trust the process, and to again come and see for yourself. And when the teacher is online, again, pretend like the teacher is right in front of you, uh, mm-hmm. right there with you. You know, for myself, I've made myself available to the public and I've also have open invitations to anyone that can come here in Pinellas Park to see me to, you know, to confront in my presence about what's been going on in life. If they want to engage into Buddhist psychotherapy or if traditional therapy have failed, if they wanted to try something more welcoming and non-judgmental, no diagnosis. So, you know, again, it, it is 
dependent upon, and it depends on the level of understanding of the student, the level of spiritual growth, where they're at, whether they're ripened, not ready or not ready. We just don't know. My hope is to make myself available and then meet the student where they're at. And a skillful teacher is trained by and through the methods to see where they're at in life, to meet them where they are with open arms. But at the same time, with open arms, welcoming, but also know how to adjust and, and calibrate the level of discipline necessary to retain them and to keep them straight on the path. And to emphasize clearly, this is your suffering. Even if I was a Buddha, I cannot save you. No one can and no one may, said the Buddha. So even if I was a fully enlightened Arahant, you know, I still can't save you guys. And one who says he's an Arahant, obviously is not an Arahant. (laughs) So it takes a lot of reflections. I I believe, you know, Buddhism, give Buddhism a try. And you, you have to exhaust all options. And if all you have left is the digital world, have at it. Study. Dig into it with curiosity. You know, like all of us monks, sometimes we're stuck at a monastery and all we have is books. Hmm. A house without books is a house without windows. But, you know, all of you have books. All of you can get access to Amazon and thriftbooks.com and the Internet and Google. And when you're bored, don't sit there and slide up and down TikTok and look at people, you know, dancing and shaking and, and, and all this other stuff. You know, go to access to insight.org, you know, go hmm. and look at, you know, Empty Cloud Monastery, Yutatamu Bhikkhu, Jayasaro, um, Ajahn Sarana. And, you know, just feed yourself with good stuff. There's 84,000 teachings. You better you better try to grasp as much of that as you possibly can in this short, brief life. Yeah, I really like that explanation. You're exactly right. You know, the Buddhist said this is a rare existence. It's a privileged existence, really, to be a human in this realm. And we can hear the Dharma, the Dhamma, and we can practice it. And that's not something we can have elsewhere. And so you're absolutely right. It's that the, you know, that dedication, that effort, you know, I mean, you can't help help us beyond what we were able to help ourselves with. So we're not going to go down that path also. You can't force us, you know, so you can guide us, you know, as a monastic, but it's up to us. And that kind of goes into to my next question for you. So traditional Buddhism, you know, what, what we're going to see around the world is where we have, you know, the triple gem or the three jewels. And we got the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Dharma, and the Sangha. And so when we're talking virtually, well, okay, you know, the, the Sangha, you know, like, well, you know, I got my temple, I can go there, I can absolutely see my monastics, I got the teachers there, right? But virtually, I may have, you know, the, the Buddha's our teacher, the Dhamma's the teachings, right? What about the Sangha? And you see a lot where Sanghas sometimes use uh, interconnected leaves like, well, it's just, you know, going to be this broader group of, you know, uh, practitioners, uh, which I, I can see, but also traditionally it's the monastic community and the, the lay followers that are part of it. So kind of what what's your opinion? And this is really, I think, more from my understanding as well and, and your opinion of it. How can, you know, those who are Buddhists who don't have a temple nearby, how did it get that Sangha component of the Triple Gem Three Jewels? Community and connection to other people is important because it reminds you, you find inspiration and motivation through watching other people meditate, through watching people's unshakable faith and conviction towards the triple gem altogether. The totality of the experience. Um, And 
It is it is tough. I mean, COVID did a number on us and monasteries also struggle to keep the lights on mm-hmm. because of the economic crisis right now and at the time of this talk. What is important to remember is that the Buddha said that, you know, learn to walk alone because not everyone lasts forever. And I'd rather walk alone than to walk with fools. And when there is no monastery present, then you focus on you. Because when the time is right, things will open up. The the causes and conditions Mm -hmm. will open up. Have faith in that. Believe in that. Rather than, oh, well, this sucks. Um, I can only study online and there's no one around and stuff like that. Then then you learn the art of discipline. Then you need to look at the five hindrances. Mm -hmm. Uh, You need to start looking at the checklist. Buddhism gave you a very long checklist. Seven factors of enlightenment, you know, hindrances, meditation on the Four Noble Truths. Over and over again, you have to try to remember these things. Over and over again, look at definitions of dukkha, tangha, uh-huh, mm-hmm. uh, lopa, dosa, moha, and uh, greed, anger, delusion. You got to look at all of this and try to perfect each one slowly and thoroughly like you do in the dishes. You know, if there's a ugly steak stain on there that's been there for a week, you're going to have to scrub a little harder and a little longer and not to you know, half beep the, mm-hmm. uh, the dishes. <laughs> it's <laughs> not, it's but, not instant results, <laughs> right? It's not instant result. Right. So, uh, you know, so you look at the, you have plenty to do. You, you don't sit there and say, I'm bored and I have no sangha and create excuses for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I went through it. There was times in my life where, where, you know, I was not with the sangha and taking solitary practice. And I, I did a silent retreat for one complete year. Mm-hmm. up in Gainesville, Florida. Like I uttered like probably like two sentence, maybe a paragraph the whole year to humans. Lit- literally, I mean, talk about solitary. And um, so if I can do it, you can do it. Like, except we're in, in the West, we've gotten used to a lot of excuses and I want uh, me, my, and I, right? Anata me, my, and I, and all that causes suffering and delay time to study what needs to be known. I mean, look at some of these priests, you know, not even Buddhists, but look at the Catholic priests who are in their living quarters, all of the mm. previous saints um, or previous canonized people, venerables in the Catholic world who were, you look at the living quarter and you're like, wow. And all they had mm-hmm. was one Bible, one Bible mm-hmm. to sit there, pray and meditate, you know, blessed are those who meditate on the laws of God. And then they do what needs to be done and they came out just fine. Well, why can't you sit there for a couple of weeks and months until things fall into place, save up money and actually travel and see the world and, and create the causes and conditions um, to see a Sangha, to be with a Sangha. So, I mean, there's challenges, I agree. But you also mm-hmm. know how to create, you need to know how to create your own heaven and create the Sangha in your mind and do what needs to be done so that you are prepared to engage in with the Sangha. There's many people who who don't do their homework and walk into the sangha and end up, you know, acting a fool. So they they, they just compound the pain and sorrow and misery in a place of peace, tranquility, and serenity. So therefore, you know, they they're coming in because they're not happy with life and not happy with themselves. And some don't do their homework, so they bring all sorts of personalities and anger mm-hmm. and stuff like that that really disrupts the peace and the the zen that is in there. So my best suggestion and advice for all of you is, again, to be creative in your mind. And if you don't know how to, well, reach out to Alan or reach out to me, reach out to other monks and ask what what are your recommendations or 
in my particular situation and where I live. And sometimes you could live in a place where it's really cold, really hot, and the weather could dictate your mood and stuff like that. Absolutely. Uh, good suggestions and, and good feedback on that. And I picked up on one part of what you said as well about, you know, the temples are a pandemic, try to keep the lights on, right? You know, when you go to temple, there's usually donations there and everything you're doing. So they weren't having that when they were closed. And I think a lot of times when people are, you know, virtual Buddhism, right? Like, well, it's free. Buddhism is all free. Well, you know, it, it takes, you know, yes, you know, monks are, you know, getting a paycheck, but someone's got to keep the lights on. got to keep, you know, over their heads and everything else, right? So, you know, charity, generosity, you know, that's really uh, compassion is, you know, really important inside Buddhism. And we showed as laypersons by supporting the Sangha monastics, you know, and that's something I, I hope I, we could see a, a, I would say a growth or more adoption of with Westerners uh, practicing Buddhism. You know, we got to support monastics in the temple as well. You know, this is a, a, a key part. Um, so you have a large social media presence. Like you mentioned, it was an experiment, you know, they, they picked up on you, right. They, they like the way you teach. And I kind of look at that, you know, I'm in Mahayana, of course, and, you know, it's skillful means, right. And I, and I see how you teach and, you, and you're, you're making sure you're, you're explaining the Buddhist teachings in a way that can be understood by people in where they're at. And I, and I think that's really key. What has been your, I, I will say your largest or number one, I don't want to say feedback, but essentially what, what have you gained from virtual Buddhism? Like what have you really determined in this experiment so far? Is it good, bad? You know, have you picked up on something you think is really important? Your the, takeaway. Yeah, it, it reaches the typologies of students, young students, old students, people who are dealing with life. You know, the 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 application of social media seeps into their life when they need it the most breakups, um, financial uh, instability, um, suicidal, homicidal ideations, you know, when they turn on their phone and ta-da, here, mm -hmm. here we are telling them, don't do it. Give the gift of safety. If you take your life and you get suicidal, you're going to take rebirth and it's not going to be well next life, mm -hmm. I'm telling you. And the, it makes them rethink things. Sometimes we can, you know, intervene without even knowing the clinical benefits uh, when people are going through things in life. I, I, I don't even, I don't know how long it would take you, Alan, to go through my phone of messages of people thanking me that you saved my life. This has mm -hmm. impacted me in some way, shape or form. Like the amount of messages here constitutes a book of maybe 500 page of just messages alone, positive messages alone. And, um, uh, and don't worry. I mean, I get, I, no one exempt praise or blame said the Buddha. So I get both praise and blame on there all day. Uh, -huh from the secular world and you know uh, so it really helps inspire people that's all we can do is do the best that we can and put it all out there it's kind of like a radio mm -hmm. you know, just broadcast and whoever catches it catches it we can't save all and when a monk do what needs to be done practice what needs to be practiced um, then you know we've done our part what more can we do I can't save everybody I don't have the resources to and blessed are those who heed the advice of the wise. Blessed are those who see the depth, uh, the profound, the jewel in the teachings. Blessed are those who reflect on the teachings and what it means to them in their life. You know, and then mm -hmm. if they get curious after a couple of words being uttered, then they dive into it. And, you know, 
and and blessed are those who became enlightened after one sentence like in mm -hmm. the text said you know mm -hmm. even a novice monk can utter a couple of words and you can become a fully enlightened arahant mm -hmm. you know based on a couple of sentences being uttered by a monk and i i know that i was quite awakened not like you know like not sainthood awakened but quite humanly academically enlightened when my cousin said be mindful of your thoughts at like 16 years old i was like oh my god Andy, what did you say? And I, that sat with me the whole year, one sentence. So obviously he was more enlightened, not mm -hmm. in a sense of sainthood, but very academically um, and spiritually enlightened in his own right for, to inspire me with just one sentence. So, you know, just um, hopefully everyone, you know, and then you're playing a role in it. Everyone's playing a role in it. Social media also serve as a measurement a social measuring tool for us to see what sticks out and what don't mm -hmm. like, you know, Valentine's do some teachings on love and um, forgiving and letting go and attachment, atta uh, love without attachment. So, you know, you, you do stuff like that. And obviously I've, I've tried to do some political views on, on hot topics like abortion that did not age well. So it, it serves as a measuring tool for me in the social psychology psychology experiment uh, area to not not to jump into hot topics like that um socially charged topics like that so you know i'm a young monk i'm learning and uh, i'm recording all of this and again when i have time i will gather all of the data and intel that i have collected over the past five years of online presence and eight total years and then present it in a book so you all can mm -hmm. look forward to that <laughs> oh, that'll, that'll be interesting. Yeah. You yeah. know, because you're right. This is really, this is a, a experiment. If you really think about it, especially the pandemic, I think pushed a lot of that into the forefront, you know, where, you know, especially, uh, well, you know, we'll just quote up unquote traditional Buddhism. Well, come to temple, right? You know, here's like, we got to do something, right? And and I think that kind of goes to my last question for you. So we're not, we've seen where we've had some temples and we have some monastics that have come virtually, right. You know, for that period of time, but we kind of see a little bit of regression in some ways to like, okay, we're going to, uh, we're going to end this now, you know, come back to temple or something. Would there be any um, suggestions you would have, or maybe opinions you would have for, I would say the, the broader, you know, Buddhist community, especially with temples and, and monastics regarding virtual, you know, should they continue to do it? What is your, suggestion for them on how to do that successfully you know just just something brief or something that sticks out in your head what they should in regards to keep on doing what they're doing yeah yeah or yeah. maybe or maybe like a you know a monastic who wants to you know dip their toes into doing things virtually like you did you know lessons learned basically yeah you have to exercise more discipline and pretend like you know i still follow the path as if a jan cha is still sitting here next to me i mean i'm exemplifying my life as if they're literally sitting right here like everything i say has to be true and correct and beneficial and all of that and all the teachers and arahans are looking at me um and so it's just so live your life as if i'm there with you live your life as if you know the buddha's there watching you i mean the buddha would obviously want you to get off the couch and get out of bed you know do do what needs to be done quickly you know, stay enthusiastic, um, look at the hindrances, don't be lazy and don't let, you know, your mind play all sorts of tricks and games on you. Um, 
And so you have to exercise supreme discipline when you are by yourself. And again, when you, that's why I have students check in with me once a week so that I can measure their progress. And I have them keep a journal so that they can write down what they got out of the readings, what it meant for them and how they apply it to their life. Also to measure self-care. Are you eating, sleeping? Okay. You know, anything of concerns. So it, it, it holds them accountable that they have to answer mm -hmm. to me. And that way, you know, they're answering to themselves, actually. Um, even if they don't do what I suggest and I'll be like, well, you know, tighten up if you don't, you know, you're going to have health problems or you're going to have, you're going to compound your suffering. You know, I'm not there. I can't be there. This is the best I can do is to encourage you and, and tell you what needs to be done. So the intelligent student the thoughtful student would have enough respect to do that, to make adjustment and recalibrate as necessary for their own sake, peace of mind. One has to take suffering seriously. One has to understand suffering what constitutes suffering and so on. If, you know, you take it as a joke, you know, down in life, it's going to be very costly, very mm -hmm. costly with um, rehab and, you know, mental hospitals and ER bills and mm -hmm. psychiatric bills. So I take my piece very seriously. You have to look at the circle of your life, the details of your life, time management. Um, uh, and again, this is the best time in your life right now to study Dhamma because you have all the resources at the convenience of your home, the freedom and convenience. But take into caution about the freedom thing, right? It's that know how to channel your time wisely mm -hmm. and to practice what needs to be done and exemplify generosity and dana. Like the great big test, for example, the analogy in Christianity, the great big test is God tells you to never tired of forgiving and never tired of asking for forgiveness. So if your neighbor done did something, you forgive them. And if I show up all of a sudden and I ask you that, will you and are you? And if you said no, well, obviously you're not doing what God's telling you to do. In Buddhism, one of the hardest thing ever to do is to give more and take less, right? Mm -hmm. You have nothing to give. And give your dedicate your body, speech, and mind for the benefit of others. How many doors have you held for people? How many compliments have you given? How many smiles and all of that? That's the hardest thing to do in a day. That's why we don't see people doing it. You walk outside, go to Publix, look look at Walmart. Look at no one's smiling. No one's doing not nice and kind things. They're complaining about how long the line is. So where are you, where do you come in as the Buddhist that you are? That the Buddhist, you know, the 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 heart of of a Buddha. Uh, to exemplify kindness, to inspire other people. And then you do nice things and they're going to see that. They're going to do nice things. And it just goes down the line throughout the whole day, the domino effect. So this is the best time of your life to heed the advice of the wise. Look at the Dhammapada. Look at the Four Noble Truths, the Noble Eightfold Path. Alan's here to help. I'm here to help. Every other monastics, you know, is here to help. And uh, we change by and through our own practice. We change by and through our own studies and practice. So therefore, you know, you can change after today. If mm -hmm. life was not well, you can change after today. And after this talk, you can change just like that, you know, and stop the cycle of suffering. And, you know, the looking at the depression and addressing all the clinical issues, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and face the pain. The Buddha wants you to face the pain, face the problem, have the courage to do so. And everyone who is listening, they have the courage. They're ready. Mm -hmm. They're ripened. Let's do it. <laughs> just get it right. done. Be like Nike. Let's do it. <laughs> exactly. You know, uh, Venerable was going to ask you uh, for some like parting last words. I kind of like what you said right there. And I think that's, that's perfect. 
Um, I'm going to be putting inside the description uh, for the podcast, like all your social media so they can connect with you that way. But I want to ask you like uh, one final question or, you know, if you have any other parting thoughts, but, you know, do you have any projects going on or anything that you want to share uh, with the community listening? Yeah, so I do Buddhist, I do free Buddhist counseling, education and meditation here locally. And I counsel people from all over the world every night, 8 p.m. Florida time, same time as New York. For free you know we depend on donation to survive and at the time at this time and at the time of this talk there's the t-shirt program that helped to raise awareness in buddhism it has my logo it says help create a new world and it has my name it has my phone number and my social media on it's a really nice shirt that you know spreads the message of buddhism raising awareness you know when you walk you wear the shirt and people are like what free what everyone <laughs> <laughs> love free stuff right they're like right. free buddhist education meditation and counseling what i need to get my daughter i need to get my sister i need to get my friend neighbor and so on and it contributes towards life-saving programs here the cognitive behavioral therapy program for students who are at very high risk of suicide and to increase student resiliency a fourth student died yesterday as I met with the mom and uh, Isaiah Castellano, Castellano um, passed away yesterday due to a tragic accident here in Clearwater. And uh, when we trace back the links of influence, Paticha Samupada, uh, his life was not going well. He was unhappy um, about the breakup and just communication and family dynamic and systems. So we want to be able to reach out as much as we can. We can't save them all, mm -hmm. but we, all of us here who are listening, should try to do the best we can you know, in this one world that we have with the time that we have left to make an impact and to feel good about it. You know, when you contribute to local monasteries or any monasteries or my cause, it doesn't have to be my cause, you know, St. Jude Cancer Foundation, you rejoice in that memory when you get older. When you live a good mm -hmm. life, you can relive it again when you're older, said the Dalai Lama. And, you know, I rejoice many times in my life, I've been at the mercy of karma. You know, life of an, of an interpreter is you never know when you have cases, you know, mm -hmm. how many people are gonna get in trouble with the law? How many people are gonna be sick and dying for me to, for them to utilize me as the interpreter? So therefore I've been fortunate for the past, you know, 15 years um, doing that and, you know, surviving and using the extra funding to fund my own project. I'm like my biggest fan. It's like, you know, like even when donations go down and many times I needed to suspend or wanting to suspend or terminate certain programs, I'm like, keep going. Mm -hmm. You know what? The light and hope in the world, all of everyone is a light and hope in the world that we all can use right. more and more each day. But buying through talks like this, you help to raise awareness about life-saving programs, the Sangha, the power of the Sangha, and the triple gem all together um, so that everyone come together and all the Buddhists be kind to each other, live in harmony, practice meditation, and subsequently become fully enlightened beings uh, when we pass away. That is my hope. And that's part of creating a new world is that, you know what, if you didn't fit in this world, if they were not kind to you, if problems found you or if you've created problems for yourself and to, because you didn't know the how, mm -hmm. now we're teaching the how effectively, efficiently, quickly, so that you can enter the streams of enlightenment, the one of the four stages. And I take that very seriously. I don't want to want to come back in this world. And I teach all my students, I'm like, well, you know what? Let's go to the Cool Kids Club. Let's meditate together. Let's do it now.
Oh, wonderful. I really like that. Venerable, uh, thank you again for being part of this episode. I, I wish you well. I, I want to see you get a couple more million on your social media and spread those teachings. Um, and for everybody else, thank you for listening. And I'll talk with you in our next episode. Thank you. Thank you so much. My blessings for all of you. May you all be well, be happy, be free, and be free from mental suffering and be free from physical suffering. Thank you, Alan. And my blessing goes to you also. Take care. Thank you, Venerable.